podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. SBK Edge Rush drops every week with me and Propo demonstrating, well, why there is such a gulf, quite frankly, even in NFL terms between Generation X and Gen Z. We get you set on the sharp side of the week's action with our favorite looks, tips and steers. Yep, there are Propo's prop bets. Of course, there's our SBK Edge Rush Acker. And naturally, the most important battle of all, me and I going head to head with our Drew Locks of the week. So if you haven't already, check out me, Propo, and occasionally Coco and Pebbles over on SBK Edge Rush. And no, Propo still hasn't watched The Wire. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Now, a slightly different episode for you this time around, gang. Well, the good news and the bad news. The good news, no me. <laughs> and the bad news, there is no bad news. There's only good news because Propo and our friend Ben Isaacs, all pro member of the crew, stepping in. I've been otherwise engaged. Quite frankly, I thought I was going to be uh, a trade deadline deal, um, but it fell through. And I may or may not have drowned my sorrows with a bottle of tequila and I'm Mike Carlson and a karaoke club in Soho at 2am. That may or may not be true. But either way, I'm not on this show. You don't need me, quite frankly, when you've got the brilliant Ben Isaacs guiding you through everything you need to know about the trade deadline. He's power ranked the trades. He's looked at winners and losers. And if that wasn't enough, he then looks at the playoff picture as a result of what went down on November the 1st. A whirl and a frenzy, a trade deadline day. And here is Ben and Propo to get you up to speed on everything you need to know about it. Enjoy. Ben Isaacs, the amount of stick Nat gives me when I don't turn up to records. Constant slander. And here we are, week nine. We had this set up perfectly. It's Bears versus Dolphins. The Isaacs Coombs derby. It's the day after one of the craziest trade deadlines we have seen in recent years. And no, Nat Coombs. Your instant reaction, please. My instant reaction was I thought this was this was a trade. I thought <laughs> I thought he'd been traded to a lesser podcast. Um and that and that we'd got a load of draft picks. And there were like some oh, there's hot young talent who we're gonna be able to acquire. You know, this is this is a winning franchise. You know, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. And if he's going to hold out, then he's got to be moved on. No, you're you're completely right. I'm trying to think of the NFL equivalent. Am I the Kenny Pickett? Is he the Ben Roethlisberger? But I guess Good Roethlisberger point. retired. So I'm trying to think of what the equivalent for that actually is, but uh, I can't think of it as right now. Can you think of one? No, I. It's, but it's going to be it's going to be someone who people felt would potentially at the top of their game, and then just they made a really bad decision. I mean, Russell Wilson. Maybe he's Russell Wilson. He could be Russell Wilson. That makes me Geno Smith, which if you told me at the start of the season, I would have been absolutely <laughs> gutted about. But right now, I feel great because I am on the uh, very much on the Geno Smith bandwagon. I think he has been incredible this season. I'm a massive, massive fan. But yes, either way, Nat or no Nat, we're going to rank the trade deadline moves in terms of which team has improved the most following the action yesterday. It was a crazy, crazy day and it got very, very interesting to say the least. And then we will look at how that affects the great man Ben Isaac's playoff picture but first, Ben, and I'm going to surprise you with this one. Okay. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you, but it's not a curveball because the only thing that you love more than the NFL and college football is food. And <laughs> yes. on Sunday, I, w- I saw you and I hadn't seen you in a while. So I was very excited to see you. We were both there at Wembley Stadium. I had just finished a very, very stressful setup at Wembley because it wasn't the most organized place I'd ever been to when I had arrived to do the radio broadcast. So I was very stressed. So it was great seeing a familiar face, mm. sat down next to you and thought, oh, Ben's going to be really excited. This is going to be a really positive conversation because we're here at the last, uh, last London series game. We've had an incredible series so far. And here we are at Wembley. Yes, not necessarily the most enticing matchup, but still an interesting one for various reasons. And I sit down next to you and I go, Ben, how are you doing? And you just go, yeah, not good. And I was like, oh, God, Ben, what's wrong? What's wrong? And you were like, the food at Wembley Stadium is just not good enough. 
it's just not good enough compared to Spurs. So I thought we'd open the show as we're going to get you to rank the trade deadline moves with you ranking your favorite game day food that you've experienced at American football games. Okay, so um, when you said a curveball, I thought this was this was going to be something about college football, but it wasn't. No. Now I, I've got I've got a, basically right when I turn up to one of these games, I want a roast, right? <laughs> yeah. And for the first game at Tottenham, um, they did they did some brisket, nice, and it was it was nice, and they had plenty of um, they're pretty imaginative with the with the veg and the, the things that they do there for the media. It was really nice. I I I sent a message to my wife saying I'm not going to need dinner. This is uh, this is all good. I am going to be done. I'm having this late roast. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, a week later, I had uh, it was it was the it was the pork. They did pork a week later for mm-hmm. the uh, for the Packers Giants game. That was also really good. It, it was it, it was it was better than I expected, and I really enjoyed it. But it wasn't quite as good as the brisket. And then. I was just a bit disappointed at Wembley. It wasn't a roast. It was it was basically a fry up, and I'm not I'm not adverse to a fry up. Um, I felt what they did with the bacon is they have very 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 thick bacon. I felt it was a little bit too dry. Yeah, I didn't the, like that. The sausages were chipolatas. I thought they were tasty enough, and I I think I had a fair few of them. Undercooked though. Oh, well, you don't want an undercooked sausage. That is bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had no ill effect, so I'm going to say mine were fine. I actually liked what they did with the beans. I thought it was just going to be normal baked beans, but they were kind of a bit spicy and there were other types of beans in there. But then I just wanted the roast. And yeah. after that, I wanted some sort of dessert. Like there was, I think, a, maybe it was a crumble the first game at Tottenham and the second game it was some sort of like chocolate pudding-y thing. Always cheese available as well. They always there's, have a great cheese selection. Always a selection of cheese and mm. dried fruits that go with it, which... It's not really my scene, but I like the fact that it's there as an option. But basically, the closest thing I got to um, a dessert there was granola. Uh, they, they had granola for people who wanted that as their breakfast. Bear in mind, I was eating it gone 12 o'clock. Yes. And you eat granola past 12 o'clock. Something's gone wrong in your life. And I did send a message to my wife saying, I'm, I may want dinner. Because I'm having a dessert here and it's granola. And then I just, I sent another text afterwards, just in all caps, granola. (laughs) Now, the thing is, I have been, um, I've been lucky enough to have corporate hospitality at Wembley um, a few times. And the food is fantastic. If you Mm -hmm. are paying for the food somewhere nice in Wembley, you are getting really good food. Now, in the media section, we are not paying for that. And beggars yeah. can't be choosers. But I got spoiled. I would say the the what they what they serve at Tottenham is above and beyond. It now, is. The Bears played um, at AT&T Stadium on Sunday. And I was talking to some uh, beat writers there. But like, what's the candy selection? Because especially with it being Halloween weekend, because I've been in the press box at AT&T. And there was just basically a wall, like a pick and mix wall of candy. That's amazing. It is insane. So I did get sent pictures of that. Now, I'm not a big kind of sweets person. I like no. chocolate and I like biscuits, but I'm not one for sweets. But you just see that wall and you just can't help yourself. Like, it's just like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna have it. And it was in full flow, uh, much like much like the Cowboys offense on Sunday. The, yeah. the sweets were in full flow. So I'd like to get back to AT&T for the food because it is, it is good there. Yeah, I would like to add in there, I was at Allegiant Stadium for the Pro Bowl and the best thing about that day, as you can imagine, was the food that the Allegiant Stadium gave us because the Pro Bowl, although probably quite an important game because it was the last ever Pro Bowl in the way that we saw it from uh, what we've heard in reports, but they had a donut for every single team. So you had... (laughs) different yeah so you had different branded donuts for every single team so i tucked into a cincinnati bengals donut of course and it was uh absolutely sensational but so what we're basically saying is that wembley although it was disappointing all that did was highlight how sensational spurs is in terms of the food they provide for the media and uh, yeah credit to tottenham hotspur but as you just heard there a very very deep analysis from ben isaacs he absolutely loves his game day food at the nat coom show get your questions in for ben for any other game day related food or tailgating food questions he will have all all of your answers at tweets from Ben, as well as your social handle, get in touch with him, follow him on Twitter. Let's start then with your ranking of trade deadline moves in terms
terms of which team has improved the most. However, we are going to start with the move that you have seen that you think has improved the team the least. Which move that you saw yesterday or just before yesterday do you think has had the least impact on what we're going to see for the rest of the season? Okay, so I'm I'm desperate for people to not see this as sour grapes. I'm not saying any of this with my bear goggles on, but Roquan Smith to the Ravens. Now, I I kind of get a bit sick of on, on a Sunday when the Bears are playing um, a group chat with other UK Bears fans of people moaning about Roquan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, the, how overrated he is, how his stats are padded. So he, he makes a lot of tackles, which is what happens if you are an inside linebacker on a team with a not very good defense and a porous offensive line. Because those running backs slice through the offensive line, they come to you and you make a tackle and it's a five or six, seven yard gain. But you, have, you keep making those tackles because that's where you are and that's where those players are coming. And I like the Bears were potentially going to trade him at the start of the season. He held out and the Bears were like, okay, go ahead. And then he just came back and was like, oh, we'll, we'll figure it all out. The Bears had no interest in keeping him past this season. He was going to be, he was going to be a free agent at the end of the season. He wants to get paid a hundred million over the next five years. That just isn't going to happen. The Ravens are not going to pay him 20 million a year to be, to be what he is, which is a really good middle linebacker, but middle mm-hmm. linebackers, that's not a premium position right now. No. He's not great uh, as a pass rusher unless he's unless he's part of like a big blitz. And then he's then he's pretty good. But you've got to be doing that a lot to actually get the benefits. I think this is going to be it's, it does. It doesn't make the Ravens any worse, but they've lost that second round pick. And I don't think he's going to be on their roster next season, not because he's going to be an absolute disaster and they won't want anything to do with him. I think they will see him and feel like this isn't where we want $100 million of salary cap to go over the next five years. We'll let someone else pick up that tab. Yeah, no, I find it really interesting. Uh, Just a a side note as well is it's interesting that the Ravens have signed another player who is their own agent and is negotiating their own contract. So they currently have Lamar Jackson and Roquan Smith trying to negotiate their own contracts while also probably trying to push for a Super Bowl. I think what the Ravens are trying to say here is that they're getting Roquan Smith on a rental and they are pretty much going all in. And I also think they hope that it will improve Patrick Queen. But I think it's an interesting one because what you've got both in Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen is two very... Two very great, like good players in terms of they can have a positive impact and that impact can be huge, but they can also have a negative impact. They can make a lot of mistakes and that can be critical to the team. So it's a a quite high risk, high reward situation for those linebackers at the Baltimore Ravens, but a very, very interesting move nonetheless. Not an ideal one necessarily as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, Um, but I think Lamar Jackson also will be wondering why they were improving the defense, which is already a pretty decent unit (laughs) and not offering to get him a wide receiver outside of Deshaun Jackson, who we know from past seasons is only pretty much good for one game a season. And that usually comes on Thanksgiving or something like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it's usually Deshaun Jackson. It'll be a high high profile game and you'll be like, oh, Oh, he's back. And then you forget he exists. Yeah, exactly. So very, very interesting moves in Baltimore. Not sure Lamar Jackson is going to be too happy with that. But at the same time, as you said, I think the Ravens have improved and they have essentially just said we're going all in for this season, like some other teams that we've seen from the trade deadline. What is next on your list, Ben? Um, Kadarius Tony um, going to the Chiefs from the Mm. Giants. Now, they didn't give up much. They've given up a, um, a third and a sixth next year. And... Like Andy Reid is good at getting the most out of players, but I th- in in general he struggled to stay healthy. Um, he was he was drafted too high by the Giants when they picked him. There is there is talent there, but I feel that they probably st- like they didn't need to give up as much as they did. I think for a player who I don't think is going to make that much of an impact. Now, like I say, if anyone's going to turn him into a really good starter, it's Andy Reid. But I just don't feel like I've seen enough from him. But at least he's going to be cheap in terms of salary. Yeah, exactly. And they haven't seemingly got as much out of Sky Moore as most people were expecting yeah. going into this season as well. And it feels like a similar move for the Kansas City Chiefs. Just from what you saw 
Is Tony in his second year now? He came out last year, didn't he? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So from what you saw from him in college, do you think that he's got the potential put in obviously a much better offensive system with a much better quarterback? Do you think this is a, again, sort of like a high risk, high reward move for the Chiefs? Yeah, he's, this is, this is a great fit for him if Mm. he can stay healthy. Yeah. He's, did not get anywhere near what I would have thought. I, I wasn't thrilled by the pick. I felt like he was kind of a, a later first round, high second round pick. The Giants picked him too early. But he was talented. And he is someone who, in the right system, can flourish. He did really well in college. Not as not as well as some of the players who were picked after him. But he's got he's got the potential there to be a number two guy at the Chiefs. And that, that, will, that will mean a lot of receiving yards. And that will mean a lot of touchdowns. So he's got it in him. Yeah, he definitely does. I don't think we'll um, necessarily see too much for him in the coming weeks, but he's one of those players you might suddenly see has a big game in the playoffs and you're like, how do the Kansas City Chiefs do this mm. every single time? Yeah. And I think for the rest of the league, realistically as well, no one wants to see the Kansas City Chiefs even getting slightly better because that is just unfair on the rest <laughs> of the league unless you're the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's unnecessary. It is yeah, unnecessary, 100%. Uh, next on your list, Ben. Um, I'm going to say here Calvin Ridley. And I'm mm. um, now the thing is, is that it's not that I don't like this. I actually do really like it, but there is so much risk involved. Yes. We don't know what Calvin, we don't know when Calvin Ridley is going to be back and we don't know how good he's going to be. Um, I want to say he's 27 now. He'll be 27 when he comes back. Obviously there's not a whole lot of tread on the tires because he's missed so much time. And we don't actually know what the Falcons will get. It could be anything from a, a second rounder to a sixth rounder, depending on depending on how he does. And I think they've done the right thing. They've they've given they've given Trevor Lawrence another potential weapon. Mm-hmm. They are looking they are looking to the future. And Calvin Ridley, of course, has been absolutely fantastic at times. But you away from the game for that long, you just don't know who you're getting. And the fact that there was not a flurry of interest around Calvin Ridley to me suggests that other teams were not really interested um, and that there was reasons for that. I hope it works out for him because I think the whole situation's kind of ridiculous. So I want to see him back and I want to see him flourish, but it is a big roll of the dice. It's a big roll of the dice just to add to how ridiculous the situation is. The reason why Calvin Ridley is suspended for the rest of the season is because he bet on the Atlanta Falcons to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, which just, yeah, it really all comes full circle to what has been one of the most ridiculous scenarios we have seen in the NFL. I do like it. As you said, we don't quite know what we're going to get from Calvin Ridley when he does come back next season. But just in theory, the idea that you have Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones out wide with Christian Kirk in the slot, I think that gives... Trevor Lawrence, the best opportunity for success next season, especially behind what has been a much improved offensive line. But as you said, there's a lot of risk involved. But just on a side note, Ben, I want to get your take on this. We saw him with our own eyes, Trevor Lawrence, on Sunday. And it feels like there are people finally now questioning the extent to how successful Trevor Lawrence is going to be in this league after everyone was saying he's the next Andrew Luck. He's guaranteed guaranteed to be a success in the NFL and a high-end quarterback. Are you now starting to doubt to what extent Trevor Lawrence will be that? Um, no, not yet. I mean, he he wasn't good on Sunday. No, he wasn't. Point not. blank. Point blank, he had a bad game and he he missed on a lot of throws. Um and just he seemed like he was kept off balance. He just seemed he was he was missing guys. But the thing is, is that I consider this to be a bit like a bit like um Justin Fields is going through. This is rookie season 2.0. Because the first season was an absolute write-off, and then you got, an, then you have a new coach come in, new system, everything new, and you start over. And Trevor Lawrence had to start over, and Justin Fields had to start over. Trevor Lawrence obviously came in with such fanfare as the most surefire, the short, most surefire quarterback pick since Andrew Luck, like you say. And it's been slow going at times, but I think we're not gonna we're not gonna get a full picture until. Even even this time next year, right? Like, I I come from I come from a background where you couldn't you couldn't judge a quarterback on their first two seasons, mm-hmm. and people want to do that now. People want to just switch on red zone and make a call on that quarterback based on what they've just seen there, rather than rather than a kind of like a a, a you know play to play sort of analysis. I think it can be really good. Let's see. Let's see where he is this time next year. 
if he's still missing guys all the time, then maybe he's just maybe he's just not got it. Maybe he's just not got it to kind of be at that level against NFL defenses. We shall see. But I'm still I'm I'm still on the Trevor Lawrence train, and I think he's going to come good. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we still need to wait another season to really see what Trevor Lawrence is capable of in the NFL. They are a bizarre team this season, Jacksonville, though, because you look at them and you you think that they're actually pretty well put together on all aspects. I think their defense is stronger than their record suggests, and I think their offense is stronger than their record suggests. And Travis Etienne was obviously sensational on Sunday, but yeah, they always seem to find a way to lose games, and it is fascinating. But yeah, let's give it another season in under Doug Peterson. Next on your list, Ben Isaacs. Um, I'm going to go with Naeem Hines, who mm-hmm. is, a, is a player who's a player I really like, and he's clearly wanted to get away from the Colts. Um He's not got as much action as he would like. Um, and the reason I've got it a bit lower than some others is that he's just, he's not, he's only going to be there to kind of compliment Devin Singletary. He's not, he's not going to unseat him. Um, he's a good, he's a good pass catching running back and they'll use him in special teams as well. They, they gave up Zach Moss and they've given up a conditional uh, six round pick. So they it's it's good value, I feel, for the Bills, and I like it. It's just not super exciting. It's not something that's gonna kind of help them take that next step, which they probably don't need someone to come in to help them take that next step. They are a team that clearly looks good enough to win the Super Bowl. But bringing in Hines doesn't doesn't make anyone no one's gonna be shaking in their boots over that. No, they won't, but what he definitely will do is improve the Passing game for Josh Allen, I think, if you can do such a thing, just because I think he is a much better receiving back than Devin Singletree. So I think what you'll see is probably similar to what we saw in Indianapolis, which is Jonathan Taylor will be obviously the main running back in terms of getting all the rushing carries. And we'll see the same with Devin Singletree. And then Naeem Hines will come in for all of those like passing plays. And that's where we'll see him benefit the most. And he'll will love the fact that he's now got Josh Allen throwing him the ball instead of Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's he's going to be thrilled. He is thrilled. Naeem Hines has, yeah, he is definitely probably one of the biggest winners from the trade deadline moving to yeah. the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I would have happily been traded from the Nat Coombs show to the Buffalo Bills. I'm sure that Nat Coombs, <laughs> that's not where he's gone. But if I'd taken that option, I would have gone in a heartbeat. I am a, sorry to say, Naheem Hines, a relative impact, I think we should say, on his new team, but more so happier for him than anyone else. Who yeah. is next on the list? Um, next is Chase Claypool. Who I no, thought you were going to go higher with this. I won't lie. No, I thought, no, no. I thought we were going to get that Ben Isaac Bears bias. No, I was no, 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 no. This to come a lot later. No, but I mean, I think a lot of people might be like, "Whoa, you should have had this guy first. Um, Chase Claypool. Steelers fans are absolutely fine waving him off into the sunset, and I don't, I don't blame them. He went completely stale after a fast start. He doesn't seem like the most popular player in that locker room. He's never really developed uh, chemistry with any of the three or four quarterbacks yeah. that, have, uh, that have been throwing the ball while he's been there. And the Steelers got a second round pick. They got the Bears second round pick, not the not the pick that the Ravens sent the Bears. And we can safely say that Ravens pick would be a um, would be a you know a worse pick than the Bears one. So the Bears giving up their own second round pick, that's probably a high pick in the second round. But I I, I like it a lot for the Bears because they just absolutely needed a big body wide receiver who can make catches because they just don't have that. Now, people might look at it and be like, Roquan Smith is a better inside linebacker than Chase Claypool mm-hmm. is a wide receiver. And that's absolutely true. But you need wide receivers much more than you need inside linebackers. It's not just important for the Bears that yes, it's a it's a weapon for Justin Fields, but it's 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 two things. Number one, it means that they can do a hell of a lot more on offense than they could beforehand, where it was Darnell Mooney and pretty much nobody else. More importantly, it allows the Bears front office, who have made it clear that everyone, everyone with the exception of Justin Fields, could be shipped out because they're going into it like these aren't our guys. We want our guys. Now, whether their plan is a good one, I don't know, but they have got a plan. And what they are trying to do at the moment is fully assess Justin Fields. Now, I remember being on this show maybe like two years ago. We were talking about Daniel Jones and the, I said, I don't feel he's the guy, 
but we and the giants will never know if he's the guy unless they actually give him some weapons because if you if you bring in a quarterback and people aren't sure and he's got no one to throw the ball to then he will forever be someone where you're like well we don't know you know if you put daniel jones on the buffalo bills or the kansas city chiefs you would know pretty quickly whether he's good enough but if you're playing with absolute nobodies which is what justin fields is doing you can't get you can't get a full picture so this helps them evaluate justin fields chase claypool is cheap for the next year and a half and in a year and a half he's either proven himself to be a high quality wide receiver in which case he gets paid either by the bears or someone else or it turns out that he wasn't good enough and he's gone he's not having much of an impact on the salary cap the second round pick the bears might look and be like oh if, maybe if we kept that we could have got a great wide receiver but really it's kind of flip of a coin in the draft at least with chase claypool you know what he's capable of you know his upsides and downsides the bears really needed a wide receiver and this was probably the best option available yeah i like it and also the bears offense over the last two weeks against both the patriots and the cowboys has looked good yeah, it looks and... <laughs> yeah, it looks like they're trying to build this offense around Justin Fields. It's just what you've been saying all along. All Bears fans have been saying, build this offense to help Justin Fields rely on the run game. You've got decent runners. Khalil Herbert, by the way, runs as hard as anyone in the league. It seems oh, he is an absolute beast. animal. So you must be feeling relatively positive. Yes, you're probably going to concede 36 points every game because you now have actually nobody on defense. That is actually might be where Nat is. He might be playing middle <laughs> linebacker for the Chicago <laughs> Bears on Sunday and has been drafted off to play for them. But it looks like your offense is going to be interesting this year. Yeah, and that's and that's what needed to be figured out. You know, um, like I saw someone say, I saw someone say on Twitter, like, look, look at the Hall of Fame um, linebackers that the Bears have had, kind of like, kind of in a row. And look how many championships they've got to show for that. Like they say, like you can't you can't build a team around a middle linebacker. And someone responded with, "Well, it's more championships than Aaron Rodgers has, so maybe you shouldn't build around a quarterback." We know that's nonsense. Mm. The, you know, Aaron Rodgers has meant that the, the 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 Packers have been contenders for like what feels like a generation. Yeah. Um, whereas with with Justin Fields, unless you give him the chance to do what do what normal quarterbacks do which is have wide receivers to throw to you'll never be able to figure it out and the 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 game against the washington commanders that they inexplicably lost because they they i think it was like four trips within the five yard line with no touchdowns because of ridiculous mistakes now it's very easy to be like oh if they hadn't if they hadn't messed up on the, the things that happened in that game were so weird that was a that was a game the bears should have comfortably won and I think then you'd be looking at three games in a row. It's like, right, now we can see what the offense is actually doing. Now they've now they've come together. Now there's some added chemistry. The Bears offense can be fun to watch. They've got they've got two incredibly hard runners, and now they've got two potentially exciting wide receivers. So it looks like it will actually be a real life NFL offense, and we'll see exactly what Justin Fields is capable of. It feels like that should be a minimum, really, for a franchise. But I it understand should it should be. But I understand from what we've seen from the Bears in recent years, it definitely, definitely isn't. Just a quick prediction. The Isaacs-Coombs derby this Sunday, the Dolphins versus Chicago Bears. I think Dolphins are a five-point favourite. I think that's a little bit too generous to the Miami Dolphins, especially coming to Chicago with the way that the Chicago Bears have been playing on offence. Um, I think the Dolphins are good, though. They're very I, good. I think I think the Dolphins will will cover. I think the Bears will keep it interesting because they've shown now that they can score points. If if Claypool if Claypool can make an impact on Sunday, it's going to get very interesting. Yeah, it definitely will do. I think the one thing that the Dolphins can't do seemingly though is stop the run, although yeah. that might be uh, changed by another move in the trade deadline. Uh, and also, I don't see anyone in your secondary being able to stop Hill and Waddle. I think what they're doing is actually going under the radar in terms of how sensational it is. Everything that we thought going into the season and what this Dolphins could do with the McDaniel offense, with Tua, and with two of the fastest receivers in the league is coming to fruition. And if you haven't watched enough Dolphins tape yet, go back and watch that Dolphins-Lions game. Tua and Hill and Waddle were so much fun to watch. And it's almost like if you take a quarterback who's had a lot of criticism and then give them really good wide receivers, good things happen. Like, who'd have thunk it? Well, yeah, I'm true. absolutely stunned. 
mean, I know Claypool and Mooney are not quite Tyreek Hill and Jalen Watson. <laughs> no, but this might this is the thing is that people <laughs> yeah. say is 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 Tua really good enough for your starter in in the NFL? And then he has those players and he has them absolutely singing. Yeah, he so, does. Yeah. Move next onto your list, Ben Isaacs. Um, now I'm going to go with Robert Quinn. Yeah. Um, another person um being pushed out of the Bears now. Robert Quinn is a bit of a weird one because he was a bit of a disaster for the Bears and then inexplicably set a franchise record for sacks last season. And the thing is, if you're setting a franchise record for sacks at the Bears, that actually means something. It means a lot. Um, now, admittedly, that's with 17 games, not 16, but it's still quite the achievement. Um, and he has been really slow this season. It's like, oh, okay, this is Robert Quinn that the Bears were looking at before that one year really what the bear should have done is think right robert quinn is old let's just trade him in the off season while his stock might be high because they've they only got a fourth round pick they just wanted him off the roster because his salary because of his salary cap hit basically and the bears are all about they are going to be spending money like a merry widow um next season and it's all about it's all about that now Getting rid of Robert Quinn makes perfect sense for the Bears, but it makes even more sense for the Eagles to have that situational pass rusher. They will just kind of plug him in at certain times when they need him. He's really experienced. He's such a leader in the locker room. Like the Bears, the Bears fans knew that Robert Quinn wasn't really the best player. But my God, all his teammates adored him. So he's coming into a much better situation in Philadelphia where he won't have to shoulder the load all the time and they can just use him as an impact player. And if they feel that at the end of the year, do you know what? He's super expensive and we don't want him. He's completely expendable. So a great deal for both sides. But the impact it has for the Eagles is just fantastic. It really is. It's, it feels similar to that Von Miller to the Rams last yeah. season. It feels like it has a similar impact for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles, by the way, week on week, they just seem to get better and better, which is absolutely terrifying for the league and the NFC. The pass protection that Jalen Hurts was getting last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers was insane. I think I saw Ollie Connolly tweet about it. Absolutely insane for an NFL level of an offensive line going up against a defensive line. And again, another perfect example, if you give a quarterback that people are having questions about two good wide receivers and Devontae mm. Smith and AJ Brown, good things seem to happen. I think you've yeah. found the formula to the NFL here. Yeah, and, and have a bit of patience with these yeah. quarterbacks, you know? exactly. Like, I'm sure there'll be people who are like, oh, this Kenny Pickett's a bum. Now, to me, Kenny Pickett wasn't as good a prospect as the quarterbacks that we've talked about who deserve who deserve some time but they all they all need time not everyone just kind of is going to land on their feet have all these weapons around them and be in the perfect situation but just what what has happened in philadelphia is just pace te pace testaments of like what happens if you are patient and you give that quarterback some weapons yeah, I think they're, they're going up against the Houston Texans on Thursday night football, which could be the best team in the NFL right now, or at least the best team in the NFC going up against one of the worst teams in the oh, NFL. I don't brutal. really understand Houston Texans in terms of how when going up against Malik Willis, did you not realize that Derrick Henry was going to run the ball a thousand times? And when he's already run for 200 yards on you, I think like what, twice? How did you not prepare to try and stop Derrick Henry? I know it's easier said than done, but still, how bad can you be as an NFL team if you know a team is going to do the exact same thing over and over again, and yet you still can't stop it? It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So I think that could be an absolute route for the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday Night Football. And again, another Thursday Night Football, which I am definitely not going to watch. Do you know what, right? You say, you say this, right? I have enjoyed Thursday Night Football more this season than in, than in previous years. There have been some duds, but some there are duds. there have been a lower percentage of duds, I feel, compared with previous seasons. Maybe that's a low bar, but there have been some fun games this year. There have, but the duds have been so bad that it has almost... <laughs> I mean, we had the Commanders versus the Bears. That was we atrocious. The Colts 
versus the Broncos. That was probably the worst game of the season. Yeah, it was probably the worst game of the season. I mean, we have seen some absolutely horrific stuff on Thursday Night Football. But Bills yes, Rams was good. We won. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't even that good because the Bills just absolutely <laughs> torched them. I the the thing is, is that when it's the first game of the season Thursday night and you've got two good teams at the end of that, I'm like, yes, the NFL is back. I love that. And yeah. That is true. We also had Chargers. The Chargers-Chiefs game was very good. Yes. That one was excellent. And then obviously we had Dolphins-Bengals, which on paper should have been great, but it was all sort of overshadowed by Tua, Tua's yeah. ish concussion issues and the way the Dolphins have handled that. So yeah, I am not looking forward to Thursday Night Football tomorrow, and I do expect the Eagles to win it probably by half time. And now I've said that, the Texans are probably going to pull off one of the shock wins of the season. Mm. Can't see it happening. Yeah. No. So you have just said to me that the impact that Robert Quinn is going to have on the Philadelphia Eagles is going to be absolutely fantastic. So in what world can we have someone having a bigger impact off the back of the trade deadline than absolutely fantastic? Um, so there's this guy called Christian McCaffrey. Um, now, <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw what he did on Sunday, but it was pretty cool. Um, in the uh, yeah. I mean, that was a while ago now, to be fair. So we're loose, we're loosening the trade deadline. Sort no, of. I know. I'm. I, these are like the, the. I know. I know. But I feel it. I feel it, it. It needs to be mentioned. Now, the thing is, is that like, it's it's a good it's a good move for both teams. I actually think the the Panthers made out like bandits. Like I, I, I'm I'm not a massive fan of like who won this trade, because it's all positional and what you need at mm. those times. Um, but what the Panthers got for Christian McCaffrey is an absolute haul. And that's what the Panthers needed. They needed those picks much yeah. more than needed Christian McCaffrey. And the 49ers, like... Oh, no, Ben. It's terrifying. I know. Like, this is... A t- and bear in mind, they're only four and four. But the, the, what what he adds to them is just such a fantastic dimension. If he stays healthy. Yes. And that's that's always the worry with Christian McCaffrey because he because he kind of does it all. He takes a lot of hits and he's he's not as durable as he used to be, but it's a great fit for him. And he's probably going to be fantastic there. Check out our brand new fantasy show, FFS, where every week I'm joined by the fantasy guru, James Sandrini. Yep, I gave him that title. And yes, he does burn incense, meditate, listen to panpipe music, where every week He looks at key matchups, injuries to be aware of, and trends that he's spotted across the NFL to get you set for fantasy battle. So whether you're in a league with your mates, playing for big prizes over in our DraftKings Listener League, or like me, desperately trying to avoid coming last in your league once again, FFS is the show for you. Drop it each and every week throughout the season. That game on Sunday against the Rams was like watching if a 49ers fan had constructed the ideal first proper game of Christian McCaffrey starting for the 49ers. What would it look like? It would look exactly like that. If it was, if it feels like some sort of kind of like erotic fan fiction. It does. Like, here's what's going to happen. He's going to throw for a touchdown. He's going to run for a touchdown. He's going to catch a touchdown. And we're going to batter the Rams like we always do. Oh. But yeah, it actually happened. I think that is Will Gavin from TalkSport 2, massive 49ers <laughs> fan. I think that is his erotic fan fiction. He sent me, first thing Monday morning, the photo of his new background, which is, of course, Christian McCaffrey catching that touchdown. Because again, that was just the perfect photo. It was the perfect snapshot. Yeah. It looked so good. He looks so great in those Niners jerseys. It's terrifying how good he looks under that Shanahan offense. And I'm, I am scared of it. I won't lie. But at the same time, as you've said, as always with the 49ers, if they can stay healthy, they are going to be an absolute wagon and probably one of the few teams who can contend with the Eagles in the NFC this season. But that is a big asterisk. Can they stay here? Stay healthy? Yeah. Um, next, I'm going to go to William Jackson. Now, this feels less glamorous because the very much um, so because the Steelers aren't going to make the playoffs. But I just happen to be a really big fan. Really, Jackson. I yeah. thought he's been. He was good in the. He was good in Cincinnati. I was a fan of him in Cincinnati. I was kind of upset when we let him go, but Washington do not seem to be too happy with him. He's let up a lot of quite big touchdowns in critical moments. Do you think he's just in the wrong scheme? I think. I think he is. I think he's going to be much better in Pittsburgh. They are in desperate need. They are absolutely desperate need, and it's they barely gave anything up. It's a conditional sixth round pick, and as part of the deal, they got a seventh round pick themselves they they became stronger and the commanders became weaker and i know it's not it's i know it's not the kind of the, the flashy sort of thing but he's 
he's something that he's someone who can stop the bleeding in Pittsburgh, and that's what they need to do to be able to go forward. And I, it's not it's not super exciting, but I think the the desperate need they had really uh, is why I consider that to be such a good deal. No, one hundred percent. And we are talking about the teams that improve the most. That is the criteria of this list. And ultimately, you're right, because Pittsburgh Steelers were so bad in the secondary. They are so banged up in that secondary. Sort of getting anyone with any relative competence into that unit would significantly improve them. And I think William Jackson will definitely do that from the commanders. So I, I, as much as I was initially quite surprised by you bringing that in there above Christian McCaffrey, I understand it. I don't think he's necessarily going to have a bigger impact than Christian McCaffrey or Robert Quinn, but I I can appreciate it. I I just I have I actually there, I to me there were a lot of question marks on how long the likes of Robert Quinn and Christian McCaffrey will be on the field mm-hmm. compared with someone like him. Yes. Okay. And compared with compared with the person I'm going to bring up next, who also isn't super glamorous, Jonathan Hankins going from the Raiders to the Cowboys. Now they gave up a sixth round pick. And they got Hankins and a seventh round pick in 2024. And the reason I love this is that the the Dallas Cowboys are struggling when it comes to the run a lot of the time. And the, the Bears Bears gashed them a few times. And he's someone who will just, he will plug those holes. Mm. He will stuff those runs. And the Cowboys are a team that is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And I feel this actually really elevates them. And, Do you not think they should have gone after a wide receiver though as well? I mean, it would be great. But I don't think it was a great time to be looking for a wide it receiver. Wasn't. No, you're right. So they've got a they've got a run stuffer, and they they filled a gap, and I really really like it. And I know it's not the most exciting again, but I'm I've got just got to be real. I'm gonna be real. You do have to be real. And I think when you look at it with the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who I think are three teams who all were in need of a wide receiver and were probably shopping around for a wide receiver yesterday. Why do you think, is it just purely because of the size of the contract? Why do you think that no one saw a move for Brandon Cooks? I think it is the size of the contract. I, you know, what that would end up costing. Um, you know, I mean, like the Green Bay Packers were well in for Chase Claypool. That's part of the reason the Bears had to give up uh, a second round pick because there was competition for Chase Claypool. So if you think of people feeling like, oh, second round pick, that feels like a lot for Chase Claypool. Brandon Cooks, you know, how much is that going to cost you overall when you factor in salary cap implications and and what you have to give up? It was it was a tough time to be looking for a wide receiver. No, it definitely was, but you still think Green Bay Packers out of everyone. Why did they not for a wide receiver? Yeah. They are the big. You're they're your biggest losers. Let's just quickly get it in there. They must be your biggest losers from. Yeah, absolutely. They they've got a just a gaping hole. They're at wide receiver. They need something like Aaron Rodgers. Like I say all the time about how you know he's like an all pro in passive aggression, and he's just always looking to throw his teammates under the bus, and he shouldn't do that. But it's basically the things he's thinking. And the things that he's saying publicly, he just needs to either keep them to himself or keep them to the locker room. Him moaning about like the lack of support that he gets, he's not wrong. He just needs to not be talking about it so much. And my God, like the they are in such like we know that there's talent on that team. They've got a really good defense. They just need people to actually catch the ball. Otherwise, they're in real danger of not making the playoffs. And for everything that they've 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 done everything that Aaron Rodgers wants apart from actually give him some weapons. They'll pay him as much as he needs. They'll give him the contract he needs, the flexibility he needs. But they seem to be reluctant to actually give him a wide receiver. It's wild. It is wild. And I think when you look at it, you've got two traditional organizations. I'm going to compare them to the Cincinnati Bengals, who obviously I'm a big fan of, but I think they really wasted uh, a season almost by not making moves on the trade deadline for either a wide receiver or a cornerback. And I think you've got two traditional organizations, the Green Bay Packers and the Cincinnati Bengals in two different situations, but with the same outcome. Aaron Rodgers, yes, of course, we, he's been significantly worse this season, but he is still a good enough quarterback to lead a Super Bowl run if you put the right pieces around him. And I think this the Green Bay Packers not doing that, not investing, not going against the grain of what they usually do to try and get him at least one piece to help him to get a push, to get into the playoffs and then try and challenge in this NFC because I think if you get into any game with Aaron Rodgers you have a chance of winning it just from what we've seen in history so why wouldn't they do that I think that was 
naive from the Green Bay Packers. And I think they're too stubborn for their own good because they don't necessarily have that long a window left with Aaron Rodgers to go on to win a Super Bowl. Similarly with Cincinnati Bengals, it's the same outcome, but a different situation. You currently have T Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, all on a rookie contract. That is huge. And that means that the Super Bowl window is short because you're going to have to pay all of them realistically, or at least let one of them go in the way that the cap space works. And the fact that now we lost Chidobia Wuzie on Monday Night Football to an ACL season ending injury, we don't currently have DJ Reader there. Those are the equivalents for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, not as good and yes, not as glamorous as Nick Bosa and Fred Warner to the 49ers. They are integral to this defensive front and to this defensive backfield. We are so weak in that secondary. The idea that Trey Flowers is going to be able to stop Stefan Diggs. The idea that Trey Flowers is going to be able to stop anyone in that Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver room when it comes down to the playoffs is naive. And I think the Cincinnati Bengals, by not making moves now and by not investing now, have essentially said that, do you know what, when you've got the Baltimore Ravens making moves, when you've got even the Chiefs making moves, I don't think we're in a Super Bowl mix anymore as a result of that, because I don't think our secondary without Chidobi Awuzie and any replacement for him is going to be able to stop anyone. It feels like for for the Packers and the Bengals specifically, and you're right, I think those are the two biggest losers yeah. of this of this trade deadline period. To see the teams directly above them in the division strengthening is is galling. It is because you're already kind of if you're the Bengals, you're chasing the Ravens, and if you're the Packers, you're there's quite a gap, but they're chasing the Vikings, and they see the Vikings improve, and they do nothing, then it's it's a sickener. Because it's one hundred percent a sickener. I I mean I don't feel like the the, the Packers are like oh, okay, well this isn't our window, like they know that that window can slam shut if Rogers walks away, like yeah. they have they have no faith in Jordan Love, and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up drafting a quarterback um next year so their window is is open right now except it looks like it's closing it definitely does speaking of which as you said both teams getting uh better in the trade deadline the minnesota vikings getting better is tj hawkinson next on your list no he's not he's not james robinson is next on my list interesting james robinson like i the the jets the jets can't replace Brees hall because i absolutely love Brees hall but getting in James Robinson, to me, not only does it does it fill a gap for like they gave up a 2023 conditional sixth round pick, which is basically nothing. He is a such a reliable player. Um, I think it's it shows that the Jets are serious and that they mean business. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're gonna make the playoffs, but that they are determined they're not gonna be like, oh, well, that was a that was a good run. Reese Hall, hopefully he'll come back okay next season. They're like, no, 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 we need to keep this rolling. Let's get James Robinson, who's done some really good things at the Jags, but it's clear that Travis Etienne, who was fantastic on Sunday, is the guy there. So the the Jags did okay moving on, moving him on, because I don't think they need him so much, but the Jets getting him means that they can kind of continue the sort of offense that they want to play and give Zach Wilson some help. He definitely needs some help, Zach Wilson, yes, he realistically. Does. He and does. he needs a run game to rely on because yeah. that was... We have seen some interesting quarterback play from him. And I think we heard Ollie Connolly say on radio on TalkSport 2 on Sunday that he's the worst quarterback in the league. I think that might be a little bit harsh, but from what we've seen, I don't think it's necessarily too far from the truth. No, and I, you know, anyone who wants to... Uh, any sicko who wants to go back and listen yeah. to all the podcasts that we did before, before the... Yeah, you know, it was going into that draft... He was the one out of all the high profile quarterbacks. He's the one who worried me because I watched him all season against absolute bum teams. He was playing at BYU who had a really good year, but playing against absolute bums and then played Coastal Carolina who were having a really good season themselves. But it is Coastal Carolina. We're not talking about Alabama or Georgia. We're talking about Coastal Carolina. And he was the reason BYU lost that game. He That was the best team he played was Coastal Carolina and he made some bad mistakes in that game. And I, it wasn't that I felt he can never be an NFL quarterback. But my thought is, oh, he's going to get drafted too high. There's going to be a load of pressure on him, a load of expectation. He'll have to start straight, straight away, and it will not be good. And it's been borne out. To me, it <sighs> seemed obvious. I don't think I'm a genius for spotting that. No. I think everyone should have spotted that. 
Yeah, exactly that. And you wonder why the Jets didn't spot that. But at the same time, his off-field antics are very entertaining. So I'm still a fan <laughs> of him being an NFL quarterback <laughs> in this league. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go and have a look on the internet because there's a lot of stuff and it's very, very, very funny. Uh, ben Isaacs, we must be getting down close to your top, what, in top three? Um, Let me see. How many have I got here? Is it not two? Am I got, have I got two? Have I forgotten someone good? Because no. I'm going with... I'm going with Bradley Chubb next. Yes, I was thinking there's two there's two glaringly obvious ones next. So yeah. yeah. So Bradley Bradley Chubb who is bringing something to the Dolphins that they really need. Having that extra edge rusher for a team that is like right okay look we are we are in a Super Bowl window. Tour has opened that window and we've got to we've got to dive through it. They're in such a tough division. Now Denver getting rid of Chubb like I know the season has not been great but like is this because they are are building around Russell Wilson they spent so much there like and that's a that's a big contract like talk about premier premier positions premium positions an edge rusher if you've got someone like a Nick Chubb getting rid of someone like that is is not good he's only 26 this is great for the Dolphins this is a real kind of marquee player who should have an impact all the way through the course of this season. Now, like he's going to have a new contract at some point and he could be expensive, but my God, like if you've got a top of the range edge rusher, then you, you do everything you can to keep them. I, I don't like Denver not keeping him, although I kind of get it, but for Miami, this is, this is beautiful. This is what they needed. I love it. I'm going to go one further and say that the Broncos organization and what we've seen from them over the past three or four months has actually been pathetic. I think it's actually been, you go and pay 250 million pounds or dollars to Russell Wilson. And you essentially say, we're all in, you're going all in. You've been a team that's been a quarterback away for a long period of time. And you go all in on Russell Wilson. But the problem is, is you signed the coach that was, you signed because you were going all in on Aaron Rodgers. You didn't get Aaron Rodgers, but you've still got the coach. And then you end up with Russell Wilson. And clearly the chemistry between the two of them is completely off. They probably should have seen that, but they were already stuck in that situation. And now we've seen what the Broncos have been so far this season. Yes, they got a win in London, but I still don't think they are perfect to the extent where they don't even think that they're perfect or they don't even think they're contending anymore because they're trading away Bradley Chubb, which is one of the best head rushers in the league and one of their best defensive players and everyone else on that team must be sitting there thinking, well, this was meant to be our year. This was meant to be the year that we finally contended because we had our quarterback. And yet again, the organization has let the players in the team down once again, because it has failed miserably. And I think this trade is the perfect indicator of that. On the other hand, Dolphins completely opposite. They stuck with their quarterback. They stuck with Tua and look how well it's working. They go into free agency and they get Tyreek Hill. It couldn't be going any better. Somehow the Dolphins have significantly improved with Tyreek Hill having a record season. He's having one of his best seasons he's ever had at the Dolphins. And yet the Chiefs haven't got any worse. That doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, who knows? Who knows? Those are two well-run organizations. And now they have Bradley Chubb. Now they have that edge rusher. The Miami Dolphins did exactly what they needed to do yesterday. And as you said, I think they They've elevated themselves to that kind of Ravens level where they're not quite Bills and Chiefs, but they're the next best. Yeah, I, I think if you want to build a successful franchise, you draft a blue chip quarterback and develop them. You draft a top of the range wide receiver. You can bring someone in in free agency. And then if you don't have an elite edge rusher, you should have salary cap room because of these rookie contracts. You can bring someone in from someone who has decided, yeah, we're giving up on the season. And that's how you do it. That's much more sustainable than spending the sort of money that they've spent on Russell Wilson. Now, if Russell Wilson, if they, if they'd lost like one game this season, we can say, okay, it's a good investment, but it was still a whole lot of money. And it was pushing all the chips into the table, knowing that he's getting on in years and it's a small window. And now they're kind of like, ah, yeah, about that window. And now what? Because that Russell Wilson deal could end up being an absolute franchise wrecking move. The sort of thing that you are paying for in more ways than one, like five years down the line. And that's that could be bleak. It could be very, very bleak, to say the least. And I think it probably will be for the Denver Broncos. I'm not predicting good things for them at all. But Ben Isaacs, by the fact that this is your number one, that means that you are predicting very good things for the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, TJ Hawkinson is my number one trade deadline period 
pick up in terms of the impact he's going to have on that team. Now, the Vikings, I, I keep bringing this up because um, this is a bit like last season when Nat was saying that the, the Patriots were his dark horse team to make the playoffs and he would not stop bringing it up every time they won a game. I'd said the Vikings were my dark horse team for make a, to make a run potentially to the Super Bowl, even though there were much better teams ahead of them. And I'm going to keep bringing it up until they start to flop. And it doesn't look like they're going to start to flop anytime soon because TJ Hawkinson gives them such a great option. He's an upgrade on Irv Smith Jr., mm -hmm. who is injured. They need, they need help at tight end. It's one of the few weaknesses, unless you want to say quarterback. But the thing is, is that they've got an okay quarterback who will do well with the players that he's got. We, you know, we know he's got some ridiculous players there. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Now with TJ Hawkinson, you don't need an elite level quarterback. You just need a good quarterback. And they've got a good quarterback. The Vikings are at the moment the second best team in the NFC behind the Eagles. We know the Cowboys are good. We know the Packers should be good. We know the Bucks should be good. We know the Rams should be good. And the 49ers, I'm confident, are going to come good after a very slow start. But the Vikings have a cushion on those teams in terms of kind of getting home field advantage at certain points. And this is the rich getting richer. The Vikings are in such a good position. Now, there's a lot has been made of the fact that like, oh, and the Lions have made an, like a, a, a trade within their division. They may as well be in different leagues it doesn't mm. matter they're in the same division. Like the Lions may as well be playing in the XFL because yes, they're going to have to play the Vikings and TJ Hawkinson twice a season, but they're not competing in the same way. It's irrelevant. Now for the Lions, like what does it say about anything in terms of like, here's someone who kind of was a playmaker for them at times and just be like, yeah, he can go. Like, and they barely gave anything. So the Vikings got TJ Hawkinson, a fourth round pick and a conditional fourth round pick. And the Lions have got a second round pick and a third round pick in 2024. Like it's, they've given so much to the Vikings along with the player that it feels like it's kind of a pointless deal for the Lions. The Vikings got great value. The Lions just, it's not like they've got, ah, uh, I, if I was a Lions fan, so frustrated. It's not like TJ Hawkinson's the difference between them having a good season and a bad season. But he was one of the one of the bright spots. And then the fact that it's going to a team who the fans hate. It's so frustrating. It does feel frustrating, especially with all the hype going into this year surrounding the Lions after the hard knocks effect, everyone falling in love with Dan Campbell. But their defense has been so abject this season that honestly, I think the Lions have all kind of, even the Lions fans have given up on their team as well. And I understand the fact that they are rebuilding, but it is still a strange move. You feel like TJ Hawkinson was one of the best pieces in that team. And alongside St. Brown at wide receiver and obviously DeAndre Swift at running back, you felt like it three pieces there that any young rookie quarterback probably coming in next season would be sort of blessed with having those three there and taking away one of those and giving them to someone in your division does feel like a very, very odd move alongside the picks that they gave them. But as yeah. you said, the Vikings, great move for them. But you, know, you you make you make such a good point because I think it's inevitable they will draft a quarterback next season. Um, that's not even a knock on Jared Goff um, because it's not like he was ever their quarterback of the future. It was, let's see how he is as a stopgap. There were some really good quarterbacks in next year's draft, which we'll get into on a show much further down the line. And I expect the Lions to take one of those. And having a reliable safety blanket tight end like TJ Hawkinson would have made their life a lot easier. Like, look at the situation that Justin Fields walked into. Do you want to replicate mm. that? Like, it seems it seems such a shame. I feel bad for the Lions fans because they they've already gone through so much. And having the optimism at the start of the season just being ripped away is just sad. It's very, very sad. And we feel for you Detroit Lions fans, but we don't feel for you Minnesota Vikings fans. As you've just said, the rich have just got richer and they are currently sitting with that cushion, as you said, in the NFC playoff, playoff hunt. Let's get into the playoff picture and how it has been changed by the trade deadline and start with the NFC. So you've currently got Eagles in first, 7-0. I think they're pretty much guaranteed to make it. The Vikings in second, 6-1, first in the NFC North. You've got the Seattle Seahawks, Geno Smith-led Seattle Seahawks, 5-3, first 
in the NFC West, third position. Atlanta Falcons first in the NFC South. This season is absolutely bonkers. Four and four. And then you've got the Cowboys, six and two, obviously second in the NFC East. The New York Giants, six and two, third in the NFC East. I never thought I'd see the day that you would have three teams from the NFC East in the playoff picture. And then 49ers, four and four, as you've said. Do you think, I mean, looking at it, you've got the Rams, obviously three and four kind of on the periphery as long as the uh, alongside the Tampa Bay Buccaneers three and five the Packers three and five the Cardinals three and five the Saints three and five the Bears three and five how do you see the playoff picture ending up and how different well, will it be to the one we see currently well we we can see how the 49ers are improving not just yeah. in terms of the roster but in how they in how they've been playing they are going to pass the Seahawks the 49ers are going to win that division that to me that to me is a, a Drew lock. that is guaranteed mm-hmm. to happen that is the 49ers division to win the south my god like it's like no one really wants to win that division no. i still feel like um you know it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a busy trade deadline for that division um i still think the bucks will sort it out and will win that division by default because i don't think anyone else can win it i think the, the bucks will sort out enough the wild card race is going to be fascinating because i think the cowboys are a really good team yeah um I think that less about the Giants, but the Giants have proven they're a really tough out. And I think they could well make the playoffs simply because they've they've got a cushion on some other teams. I don't like the I don't like the Rams' chances of making the playoffs. No. Um, I think we can forget about them. And I do think the Packers are going to make the playoffs. I think they are going to make a wild card. They're three and five at the moment. I think the schedule is going to be fine for them. You know, I, I really think that probably winning nine games can get you into the playoffs as a wild card in the NFC, the, you know, it's just an absolute clown show. The NFC again, I think the Packers will make it. I think the wild card, the wild card race will be absolutely fascinating though. And the, the Cowboys should do it quite comfortably, but beyond that giants and Packers, maybe. So you've got the Eagles, the Vikings, the 49ers, the Bucks winning the South. Yep. 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 The Bucks winning the South. Then you've got the Cowboys, the giants and the Packers in the wild yes. cards. So yep. no, LA Rams, you expecting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the LA Rams this weekend? Yes, I they do. Are at home. Yeah, I yeah. I I I feel that the Bucs have got more chance of sorting out what's wrong there than the Rams, frankly. But I, do, I don't like either. But that's the NFC, isn't it? That is the NFC. Seattle Seahawks fans will be fuming under the Geno Smith rule right now because you've got them dropping out from being five and three first in the NFC West to out of the playoffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't think there's enough talent there. I think it's 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 a nice story. But, you know, we haven't played a game in November yet. No, and a couple of injuries in that team will be massively hit. As you said, there's not a lot of depth there and they're massively overachieving, but I still don't think you can take anything away from Geno Smith and what he's able to do. DK Metcalf banged up against the New York Giants as well on Sunday, put an incredible performance or a brilliant play by him where he basically, for that amazing Kenneth Walker run in the last minute, he essentially faked the fact that he was getting the pass and Dory Jackson followed him all the way. So Seattle Seahawks, I think I'm probably, the problem is the Giants are 6-2. and two. I don't think the Giants are a playoff team and I don't think they should get a wildcard spot i would have the same as you but i'd probably have the seattle seahawks instead of the giants but that's such a hard call to make right now because you're expecting the giants to essentially win what only two games for the rest of the season which is unlikely just with the way we've seen the nfl this season and with their schedule so i would agree with you but there's some way i just don't want to put the new york giants in there because i don't think they're good enough but i think the seahawks are better than them but i think that's unlikely moving on to the afc so you've got in first position the bills six and one first in the afc east the tennessee titans how does variable do this year in year out they're five and two first in the afc south Kansas City chiefs of course first in the afc west five and two the ravens first in the afc north at five and three and then the wildcard spots are currently the jets at five and three the dolphins at five and three and the chargers at four and three just outside of that you've got the patriots four and four the bengals four and four the colts three four and one the browns three and five but of course notably getting Deshaun watson back in week 11 as much as no one wants to see that and then you've got the Broncos at three and five. I have to say, outside of the Jets, I think all of those division winners, I think, are going to yeah, end up they, being the division winners. Yeah, those those caps that they put on when they clinch, you may as well just get those sent out now for the Bills, Titans, Chiefs, and Ravens. To me, that is a done deal. Yeah, I would agree with you with that. But the wild card, you've got the Los Angeles Chargers, who, as far as I'm concerned, have not been that impressive so far this season. The Miami Dolphins, who I think from what we've both discussed about already in this show, the Miami Dolphins are almost 
guaranteed to get a spot in the playoffs with the way they've been playing and that addition of Bradley Chubb. The New York Jets are the interesting one. Yeah, and here's what's going to happen. They are going to drop out of that wild card race. And I think, and I'm going to shock you here, I think that they will be replaced by taking the very last wild card spot, the Cincinnati Bengals. I really? Think they, I think they are going to, I think they've got the talent to do it in comparison with the Jets and just looking at the other teams. I mean, it's not like the Bengals have got a losing record, no. right? They're at 500. And you look at the other teams around them in terms of the record, like the, the Colts at three, four, and one. The Colts are not a good team. No. We can forget the Colts. The Patriots are four and four. We know they are not a good team. There's no reason for them to have a better record than the Bengals. I don't think the Browns are going to catch them. You've got like the likes of the, the, the Broncos and the Raiders after that. Are the Bengals better than the Jets? Bear in mind, they're only one game behind the Jets. I think the Bengals, the Jets. I think the Dolphins will win that wild card slot. Same for I didn't think the Chargers would necessarily make the playoffs this year because I thought the AFC West would be so brutal, but the Raiders have been a disappointment. I think Dolphins, Chargers, Bengals in that order in the wild card slots. I completely agree with you, and I'm not being biased. I think the Cincinnati Bengals, as you said, have got enough talent. I think the AFC generally has been quite disappointing. It's been nowhere near as deep as we thought. We thought the Colts were going to be much better than they are. We thought the Patriots were. We thought the Broncos were. We thought the Raiders were. We thought the Jaguars were. And I think actually just almost by the fact that the Bengals are probably a 500 team or just above a 500 team, just with Joe Burrow and when we get Jamar Chase back, who's not on IR, and with the likes of T Higgins, Joe Mixon, I think there is just about enough talent there to get us to the playoffs, but I don't expect a deep run, especially if we come up against the likes of the Chiefs, the Ravens, or the Bills. So, yes, I agree with you on that one. Ben Isaacs, incredible job. You've given us your playoff picture for the end of the season. You've given us your ranking of how much a team has improved from that crazy trade deadline. Enjoy the Coombs, Isaacs, Derby, and have a fantastic week, my man. Thanks. I'm going to go for a roast now. Lovely stuff from the dynamic duo. I think we could see a spin-off show there. What do you think, gang? I reckon. I reckon they work well together. Keep uh, everything locked in with the NC Show over on our social channels at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok over uh, on whichever pod platform you listen to. A lot of you have subscribed to us, but yeah, some of you might have just checked us out for the first time, discovering us for the first time. Get involved, subscribe. You won't miss a trick. And there's a lot in the vault as well. We've got Edge Rush uh, coming your way shortly. We recorded that with Propo. It's a goodie. FFS, me and the guru, Sandrini, getting a set for fantasy this weekend, including our daily fantasy league, courtesy of DraftKings. Get involved with that. Free to enter contests, pay to play contests, all kinds of goodness. We will uh, get you set so you can have a bit of fun with that. Picking a new team every week. And of course, in the vault as ever. And the vault. The best, the best place for, for I am like locked in the vault with me every Monday. Looking back at the weekend's action, insightful, incisive. You know, I am Mike is the very best in the business. So locked out there for you to uh, enjoy, except for the weekend's action. So we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Podcast Network.